Good morning. Great to be here with you today on this fine rainy day here in Kennesaw, Georgia. Woo! Feeling good. I know I'm supposed to be preaching today, but between Amy and Patrick, I feel like they preached it for me. In fact, they stole my sermon, right? I'm a little upset about it, okay? Not really. That was an amazing time of worship. Thank you uh, for that. There's nothing like being together and worshiping together and feeling God's presence and being led by Him and being ministered to by God Himself, by the presence of the Lord. And so uh, I hope you were encouraged as we had that time of worship. We're going to get into the series, the teaching series that we're in today. Why are you so... Fill in the blank. Why are you so... What do people say? Tired, okay. Why are you... Why are you so... Angry? Wow, okay, all right. Positive? Why are you so happy? Why are you so surprised? Why are you so shocked? Why are you so taken off guard? That's where I was going. For some reason in my mind, I thought it would be an easier fill in the blank. Sorry, it was a little harder than than I was anticipating. Maybe it was a little ambitious of me, wasn't it? It was. Okay, a little ambitious. Okay, why are you so surprised? Think of the moments where you say that. It's where, it's where you have a normative rhythm, a normative expectation where if you do this, you experience this. So when somebody then and therefore acts surprised, you're like, well, why are you so surprised? Oh, you just, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, child of mine. You just dropped attitude? at mom and dad and now you're in trouble why are you so surprised right it's the same result every time right you ate ninety-four thousand cookies and the scale isn't moving the direction that you wanted it to why are you so surprised i know that was hurtful that was rude and offensive it really was right why are you so surprised they got your order wrong at taco bell why are you so surprised? I love a little Taco Bell every once in a while, right? Don't, don't hear me hating on it. You get the idea, right? Where, where when you have a normal rhythm of experiencing something, it's actually surprising to therefore be surprised. In fact, the longer you experience something a certain way, surprise actually changes into expectation. Not presumption, not arrogance, but the longer you experience this, and it's good, and it's really good, and you get it, and, it's, and it tastes good, and it feels good, and, and all the things equate to good, it's now normal for you to not be surprised that it's good, but to actually expect it to be good. Does that make sense this morning? Surprise takes the place of expectation, but when you don't or excuse me, expectation takes the place of surprise. But when you don't have regular interaction, when you don't have normal rhythm, when you don't have consistent X, Y, Z, it's therefore expectant that we would be surprised. Like this is 
wow, what an amazing experience. You would say that in shock and in, in stunning surprise if you don't have a regular rhythm of interaction. So my question for us today, as we shift into talking about God and our relationship with Him, are there areas where you still find yourself surprised when you should actually be expectant? In other words, where you're just, and I'm not saying that to be blown away by how God, His goodness, that like that's going to continue happening hopefully your whole life where you have moments where God still surprises you. But aren't there things at this stage of the game Right, where you've been hopefully walking with them, or maybe you're even here today and you're hearing the gospel for the first time, but you've certainly heard that people have talked of God as being good. You've heard of God as being faithful. Maybe you haven't experienced that for yourself. And my hope is that even today, at the end of service, we'll have an opportunity for you to respond to God in that fashion to experience him in that way. But if you have encountered God, if you have experienced him, if you do have relationship with him, then there should be moments where we're no longer surprised by God's character and surprised by his nature, but where you actually expect things of him. Like the father who picks up the refrigerator. You're not even thinking twice about it. Why? Because you've seen your good father show up in strength time and time and time again. Father, be with us as we get into the scriptures today. I pray that you would minister to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, that you would open our eyes, that you would give us greater revelation today, Lord. That is my prayer, that you would reveal yourself more to us, that we might encounter you, that we might experience you, and that we might expect great things of you. Amen. We're in Acts chapter 3, verse 1. And some of these encounters in Acts, they're, they're stories, and we're going to read them. I, I kept trying to figure out how to paraphrase this and chop it up for you. I can't. So I'm just going to read it for you. So buckle in, lean into the story here, the account of Peter and John. I preached this, or someone on our team preached it not too, too long ago. But it, I just couldn't shake it, so we're back at it again. Acts chapter 3. One day, Peter and John... This is after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, by the way. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Peter said, silver or gold, I don't have. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts walking, 
and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Verse 11, while the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished. And what did they do? They came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you can all see. Why are you so surprised? You have Peter and John two of the 12 who've been walking with Jesus and they've been doing that for three years and Jesus has ministered. He's solidified who he is, whether people accept that or not. He has established that he is, in fact, the son of the living God, that he is victorious over sin and death and, and, and literally is, he dies, he dies the, the death of a criminal on the cross. He's buried in a tomb. And he does exactly what he said he was going to do. He rises back from the grave. Three days later, he appears to the disciples. He appears to 500 other people, the Bible says. He performs miracles. He's instructing. He's teaching. He's opening blind eyes that people might see him and know him. And then he ascends to heaven. Pentecost takes place. And Pentecost is the moment when the Holy Spirit descends and fills people for the very first time. So people have encountered, they've encountered the miracle of the Holy Spirit. There's spiritual gifts happening. People, Peter's preaching, 3,000 people put their faith in Jesus and get baptized, literally in the previous chapter. It's on like Donkey Kong, all right, around this joint. There's all kinds of things happening. And so Peter and John are doing what good Jewish people do at this time. They are going to the temple at 3 o'clock to do what? To pray. And as they are on the way to, to my paraphrase, to church, as they're on the way to church at 3 in the afternoon, they walk past the man who's been begging for some time and has been lame since his birth. As in like, he's not known anything else. And people haven't known him as anything else except a crippled and lame beggar. And James, excuse me, Peter and John look at this man and they call him up to walk. And people freak out. You gotta, that guy... We know that guy. We've passed by him hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. And here he is walking. Here he is jumping. And he's praising God. Can you believe this? And so what happens? The crowd 
doesn't just form. The crowd begins to do what? Run. They're running to Peter and John because they can't believe what has happened. Would you have been able to believe it? What would your reaction be? What would your reaction have been? I know myself well enough to know that there's a a measure of cynic. You know, I would have been kind of casually walking like, wait, what? That's that guy. No, that's got to be like his brother. Like I would have had, I would have had every reason kind of that I'm floating through in my mind as to what probably happened before this guy actually experienced a miracle. Like surely that's not what happened. Surely it wasn't miracle power of God. Something else has to explain what took place. And so, you know, I would have, uh, the, the thoughts would have been going through my mind. And then the crowd would have been forming. And, you know, as the crowd starts moving faster and faster, you know, I, I, I would have picked up the gate a little bit. Like, okay, I don't want to miss out on what's taking place here. And maybe as everyone starts running, you know, maybe, maybe I start running too. I don't know. I would have probably followed the crowd though. And I would have been, what? Surprised. And yet Peter looks at the crowd and he says to them, guys, this guy's healed. This was a miracle. Why are you so surprised? There are some questions in the Bible that are tough to wrestle with. This is one of those moments for me. Not wrestle with in terms of who God is. I wrestle with it because it reveals something about myself. And I think it might reveal something maybe about you as well. See, when Peter is, is, is asking this question, why are you so surprised? We, we got to understand that, that even getting back to the beginning analogy here, right? Like he's, he's asking because the normative experience for you should be that, that this is expected, that the God of heaven and earth is so good and he is so great and, by the way, has shown up in recent days through Jesus. And you've seen miracle after miracle from Jesus Christ, so much so that even just a few weeks prior, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Guys, why are you so surprised? We've seen God do this. God has shown up here. He's shown up there. He's shown up here. He's shown up over there. God is a miracle working God. God is moving in power. This is who he is. This is what he does. Why are you so surprised? Why are you so surprised? Think of the things that you get surprised by, right? People get surprised by the pregnancy test, right? Oh my gosh, right? We get surprised. We have surprise birthday parties. I mean, you may have had a surprise party thrown for you. And you walk in the door, right? And you get scared initially. And then you're overwhelmed by emotion and People cry sometimes at the surprise moments. Like there's, there's my sister that came from a long way away to be a part of the surprise party. And it's, it's this overwhelming kind of emotional moment, is it not? Many times for surprise parties. 
You get surprised in the TV show, that the cliffhanger ending where you're like, I got to watch the next episode. That was surprise. I didn't see it coming. Or the movie or the thing or the, the experience that has, you know, that hard right-hand turn that's inconsistent. It's not a normal experience for you. You don't have surprise birthday parties or surprise parties every day. So you're typically not to be expecting it. But yet Peter looks at the crowd and he says, why are you surprised? In the same way that Amy stood up here and she went through the Old Testament and just laid out God showing up to Adam and Eve in the garden. He walked in the coolness of the day and he made a way even then for people to have relationship restored in some measure when they had sinned against him. That same God showed up with Noah. That same God showed up with Esther and Rahab and Ruth. That same God showed up in strength through Samson. And the same God showed up through Deborah and Gideon and Elijah and Elisha. And he showed up in Peter and James and John and Jesus and John the Baptist. And over and over and over again, we've got a great track record of God moving in power and in grace and mercy and goodness. Why then are you so surprised? I love how this commentary put it. I'm going to nerd out for you just a sec right here. Writer says, as if it were a singular fact, the likes of which you had never seen, why do you wonder at what has now happened when so many greater miracles have lately been performed among you? The facts are that they, this is indeed marvelous, marvelous. And they justly wondered at what took place, but it was no more than what Christ had done many times times before it was but a little before that that christ had raised lazarus from the dead and he himself rose from the grave three days later why ladies and gentlemen are we then so surprised this past week you know, sometimes you have these, these living, breathing examples that come to you. And I realize that this happens, like I'm about to use a, a super churchy example here because it's a reference to Jesus Chicken, also known as Chick-fil-A, okay? Which, you know, it's like a pastor's responsibility is to somehow tie Chick-fil-A into a sermon. It's not, but this is a good one for us. So we're going to go there. But, you know... I have four kids, and so if we're going to get fast food, a lot of times it is Chick-fil-A, and that's no shade to anybody else or anything out there, but just we like it. The kids like it. It works, even though it's $9 billion to go there. Um, you know, that's, the, that's the, the place of choice. And, you know, you get in the drive through and you have the person with the little iPad, and they're taking your order, and you, you go around, and, and I have to tell you, it, al- it always tastes good. It's always fresh. I can't tell you the last time 
right? I've looked in my bag and the order's been wrong. And I always have somebody smiling. And they're always saying, my pleasure. And they've built this culture and expectation in so that when I get in line, I know what to expect. In fact, I'm not surprised at how amazing Chick-fil-A is. You know what I am surprised by? When it's not. That's the only time with Chick-fil-A that I'm shocked anymore. And that's not a discredit to them. That is a credit to them. That they have, they have shown themselves so good and so consistent and so faithful. You know where I'm going here, right? So, so amazing at delivering on what they say they're going to deliver that when I get in that line, I have full expectation that I'm going to receive what I have asked for. And in fact, the only time I'm surprised is when I don't get it that way. Not in some arrogant, pouty, you know, pitch a fit kind of way, but they have created a moment and a culture where, where I expect this. What if, what would, it, what would it look like for you and I in the church to be a kind of place where when people came in and they experienced faith and they experienced the bigness of the God that we sing about and worship about, the one that we read in the Bible and the one that we pray to, what if that God was so big and so faithful in the hearts and in the lives and in the eyes of, of this people, of this church, of our community, that people just felt swallowed up in expectation that God is in fact who he says he is and that he is the kind of God that does exactly what he says he can do. What if when you prayed, what if when you prayed that you were, you were so expectant for God to move, not in presumption, not in arrogance, but because you know God showed up here, 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 and here. That when I pray, I am fully convinced and fully believing that by, by virtue of me opening my mouth and inviting the power of God into this situation, I expect God to move. Not because I am somehow waving this magic wand and I'm arrogant before him, but because God is who he says he is. What would that look like? See, many times we have our expectations moving the exact wrong way when it comes to God. We're so inconsistent at going to Chick-fil-A, right? At experience. The only reason I have the, the, the expectation, sadly, that I have of Chick-fil-A is that I've been there so many times. I've gone so many times and they've showed themselves faithful every single time, right? It's built my faith up, right? And so when we talk about God and, and we say, God, God's going to move. I believe God's going to show up. Well, the reason I can say that with confidence is because I've met with him and I know him and I've encountered him and he's shown himself faithful time and time and time again. But if we don't, if we rarely get time with God, if we rarely experience his presence, well, guess what? 
The moments where God shows up feel far more like surprise than they do God fulfilling your expectations of Him. A relationship with Him looks more like surprise. We are so starved for God's power. We are so starved for God's presence as a people, as a nation, might I add, that we're genuinely shocked when he finally shows up. See, many times for us, we pray and we pray, but we don't even really believe that God's going to show up that way. We just kind of know the words to say and they, they come out of our mouth and we can have a, a nice good prayer that feels good. But do we really believe that God's going to move that way? Do we really expect Him to show up? Because many times we're like the crowd where it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. God actually did that? Or we respond with cynicism and it's like, okay, I know we prayed that. But was that really God? Is that really him? Surely not. Surely there's something else that can more readily explain that cancer that's no longer there. Or that person whose marriage is restored after we were praying so long and so hard. Or that person that was living this way and is not anymore. Or the person that had addiction and says that they're free. Why are you so surprised? Mm. I'll give another example here. I was on Cobb Parkway this past week. And I was sitting in a traffic light. And there was about seven cars in front of me. Six, six seven cars. And the traffic light's red. I'm in, the, I'm in the turning lane to turn left, okay, which means that you need to wait for it to turn green, right? Ideally, you have a green arrow, but if you don't have a green arrow, you wait for the light to turn green, and you, you yield on your left-hand turn. And I'm in, you know, cars six, seven back, and, I, and somebody honks the horn. I don't know who honked their horn. I couldn't track it, okay? But somebody, somebody you know, just wails on their horn, and the person at the front of the line who clearly wasn't paying that much attention, just goes, and it's red. And they just turn because they assume that they're being honked at. They don't even pay attention to the light. Probably on their phone. Feel the conviction in that, everyone. (laughs) And so they just turn left and go. And you know what the person behind them does? Exact same thing. It's a red light, and the entire line of cars just pulls out into the middle of traffic and turns out, and I'm like the seventh car, and you know what I'm doing? The exact same thing, right? I'm easing forward, and I'm like, I just, I'm assuming at this point, the traffic light must be busted. Like, they must be, thank you, everyone, for the gracious, you know, yielding of my line of traffic. Clearly, this this light isn't working properly. I appreciate your grace to us in letting us turn left. And as I get out in the traffic, Light turns to green, but I'm like all these all these people just following the crowd. 
doing what everybody's doing. And one of the things about faith, and one of the things about expectation, church, is that for so many of us, there is a, there's a status quo of expectation that exists in the body of Christ. There's a status quo, is there not? Bear with me here. I'm not throwing shade at the church. I love the church. I love pastoring God's people. I love preaching and teaching. But many times there is a status quo with a bar of faith and the bar of expectation. It gets so lowered that we don't really expect God to move. We don't really expect God to show up in power. And it's like the, the line of traffic out and called Parkway where everyone's just kind of doing what everyone else is doing. And your faith is kind of here and I'm following you. I'm following your lead. And, and what we need are people who will actually break out of the, the rhythm and break out of the status quo, who will resist the status quo of faith and step out and trust Him, and pray, and seek Him again, and believe that when you open your mouth to pray, and when you open your, your, your hands and lay them on somebody, and you ask God to show up miraculously, and when you're praying for a disease to be healed, and when you're praying for hearts to be changed, that we would actually see God move, and that you would expect Him to, because we serve a God who is great, who is good, and has shown Himself faithful. That's the kind of people I believe God is looking for right now. Imagine living with such expectation that you are not surprised when God moves miraculously. It's wild to think about, isn't it? Why are you so surprised? In other words... When God shows up, it's not that you would take it for granted. Not that you would be dismissive or flippant or carefree. But that your, your soul and spirit wouldn't be taken aback. You wouldn't be shocked or surprised by it because, after all, that's your dad. That's your father. You've seen that kind of strength hundreds of times before. It's nothing for him to pick up that refrigerator and walk it down the stairs. I know this kind of God. He's good. He's powerful. He's gracious. And he's shown himself time and time and time again. A big God deserves a big faith. And that's my challenge to us today, church. Bring it all to them. Bring some big faith to the table. Don't bring that shy, oh, sheepish, can you really do this? I'm afraid to even ask you. No, hear me. God is inviting you to bring all the big stuff to the table because he's a big God. Bring it all to him. I got about a hundred action steps here. I'm not even going to get to all of them today. I've run out of time today. It's a common problem with mine lately. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. One thing. You can hear a message like this and just, you know, you can be reminded that God's good and powerful. And that's good. 
But here's now what you get to do with this. One thing that I think will help you put this into to play, and that's to be a, a, a right now kind of Christian. Here's what I mean. If you really believe that God is the kind of God who shows up in power and strength, I'm asking you to put something in the rear view for yourself and put something in your daily activity as, a, as somebody who is of faith. If you really believe that God answers prayers, if you really believe that He responds, that He hears us, that He's moved by your petition, then when somebody says something to you and they ask for prayer, don't respond with, I'm going to pray for that. As if you're going to pray for that later that night at the dinner table or sometime next week. No. Let's be the kind of people who respond right now, right in the moment, because you believe that God is, in fact, all-powerful. You need something? Got you covered. My God is good, and He is great. And it might be a little uncomfortable for me. It might be a little awkward for me. But because I know that God is so good, and because I know that He's faithful, I'm not going to just keep this to myself or put it on my little iPhone list and try to come back to it later and remember it. And we all know that we actually aren't going to probably do that anyhow. Be the kind of person who responds right here, right now, right in the moment. Pray right then and there. Ask God to get involved because you know He's faithful and because you know He's powerful. Stand to your feet. Father, we thank you right now. Lord, we give you praise and we give you worship. Lord, we don't hold it back today. God, we hold nothing back from you today. We give you our best. We give you our worship. We give you our praise. And we bring our expectation to the throne room of heaven today. And God, we ask for you to move. God, move miraculously. Just like you've done throughout the Bible, throughout the Scriptures, throughout our lives, Lord, move miraculously. Bring healing where healing is being requested. God, there are some here today who need miraculous healing by the power of the Spirit. Lord, I'm asking that you'd bring healing right now. God, there are those who need miracles in their home with relationships and with kids and with parenting. Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Lord, I don't come in shock or surprise. I'm asking now, Lord, by the power of your Spirit to move in people's homes and in people's hearts. Move, Lord. God, even those who haven't made a decision to follow you yet. And Lord, we say, by the power of the Spirit. Lord, move in the hearts of people. Moms and dads, single folks, divorced folks, teenagers, kids, Lord, move, transform hearts, perform the greatest miracle of all, and change hearts to know you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.